I'd invite you to open up your copy of the scriptures and turn to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 18. Luke 18. Uh, in your bulletins every week, we put a half sheet uh, with the sermon uh, outline there and some uh, application questions on the back of that sheet. That is uh, just a resource for you. Um, if you want to follow along or take notes on the sermon, that's, that's there for you. Some help to think a little bit further on the passage and on the message as well with those questions on the back. So I just wanted to encourage you to take advantage of that. And we are looking at uh, Luke 18 and verses 15 through 17 this morning. So this is the word of the Lord from Luke 18, 15. Now they were bringing even infants to him that he might touch them. And when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. But Jesus called them to him, saying, Let the children come to me, and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. This is the word of the Lord, and now let's pray. Our Father in heaven, as we come uh, to your word this morning, I pray for help. Lord, that you would uh, help us to turn our attention uh, fully to what you have to say to us this morning. We admit, Father, that uh, often uh, there are other concerns on our minds or hearts, um, and, and, and uh, words from the Bible uh, don't often seem to be all that important to us. But Lord, we pray this morning that your spirit would so work in our hearts that we would recognize uh, the grave importance of your word for us, and that we, Father, would uh, be people uh, who fear the Lord, uh, who walk in wisdom, and who listen to you. We pray, Lord, this morning for uh, the junior uh, church going on in our, in our basement. Uh, Father, all the children that are, that are gathered downstairs and uh, hearing about you, we pray for those children that they would uh, truly come to know Jesus, love him with all their heart, and, and follow him. And we pray, Lord, for those who are, are teaching them and those who are caring for our children as well in the nursery, that you would bless them during this time. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, uh, we've come this morning to a very familiar passage, uh, one of the most heartwarming passages uh, throughout the Gospel of Luke, especially to young parents or grandparents and, of course, Sunday school teachers, as it should be. Um, I'm a parent myself, and I just love to hear Jesus say, let the children come to me. It's a word from Jesus that should be on our hearts and minds um, as a church, as we consider what our priorities are for ministry and for making disciples. We must not overlook our children. But the passage also has a pretty strong declaration from Jesus regarding who will be in the kingdom of God and who won't be. So this is also something we ought to pay attention to. This is not just a passage about children. This is a word from God on just who will end up belonging to the kingdom of God. Who are the people whom God will love to give himself to in order to bless them 
and grant them eternal life. So these are some pretty big things here. These are eternal things, life or death things. And once again, it might be kind of hard for us to hear, especially if we are proud and, and tend to think like we don't, we don't need any help, we don't need anybody telling us uh, what to do. Um, it might be kind of difficult for us to hear what Jesus has to say. Uh, but our, our main theme here is that we must realize our utter inability to save ourselves and thus entrust all of our hope in the mercy of God in Christ. We must realize our utter inability to save ourselves and thus entrust all of our hope in the mercy of God in Christ. Now, before we focus on, on, on our passage, um, this passage of Jesus and the children, let's do a quick review on the two parables that preceded these verses here in Luke 18. If you are uh, in my Sunday school class, uh, you know that I like to begin each class with a review of where we were the previous week, because if we remember where we were, we'll be better prepared to understand where we are in the book of the Bible that we're studying. Where we were always sets up where we are now, and this is definitely the case in this passage uh, in Luke 15 through 17. Uh, so uh, back in uh, verses 1 through 8 of Luke 18, Jesus told the story of a widow uh, who in first century society would have been utterly dependent upon the help and support of others, particularly in seeking justice against an adversary uh, trying to take advantage of her. And in that parable, Jesus shares how that widow received justice by persistently seeking it from the only one who could provide it for her. Even though he was a judge who, who didn't fear God, uh, nor cared about doing the right thing in regards to people. Uh, so the lesson there is, you know, just like the widow, we also must realize our helpless situation, the helpless situation we are in, and so must look and pray to God for justice. Look and pray to God for vindication. Uh, look to God for our salvation. And then in the second parable, the focus was on a tax collector uh, who was, again, utterly helpless and in need of righteousness in order to be accepted before a holy God. He recognized that. He, he acknowledged his sin and his lack of righteousness, so he pleaded with God for mercy. And Jesus contrasted that humble, needy man with a Pharisee who was quite confident that he didn't need anything from God. He already had all that was necessary for him to be accepted in God's sight in what he was able to accomplish himself. And so Jesus gave the surprising verdict at the end that it was the tax collector, that this helpless one, when it came to righteousness, who was actually the one whom God would count as justified before him. And so that brings us then to this little encounter that Jesus has with children. Infants, actually, it says there in verse 15, and how Jesus declares, to such belong the kingdom of God. The parables have prepared us. They've set us up for this. That is not those who think they have it all together, 
It's not those who are self-sufficient who will receive the kingdom of God, but rather helpless ones. Those who recognize their great need. And, and we need to ask ourselves when it comes to God, do I look to him as somewhat of a partner? Or do I look to him as a baby looks to his mother? Do we consider God an equal to us or one to whom we owe an insurmountable debt and the only one who can set us free from it? So let's turn now to the, to the parable, verses 15 through 17 here. Our first um, section, we're going to look, look at this, the first uh, verse of 15 and then the first part of uh, verse 16 there. Jesus cares for the lowly and the helpless. Jesus cares for the lowly and the helpless. Now they were bringing even infants to him that he might touch them. And when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. But Jesus called them to him, saying, Let the children come to me, and do not hinder them. Now, when we hear about people bringing infants to Jesus, hoping that he might touch them, it might remind us uh, of the woman in Luke chapter 8 with uh, that horrible breeding, uh, no, sorry, not breeding, bleeding condition, who came to Jesus, kind of following close behind Jesus, hoping to just get a touch of his robe, just believing that, that if she touched his robe, that, that she might be healed. And, and she does this, and she was completely healed by that simple touch of Jesus. Luke does not give any indication here that there was something wrong with uh, the small children that were being uh, brought to Jesus here. Uh, we would assume that if they really were in need of healing, then maybe the disciples you know, would have uh, been more welcoming and allowed them to, to get close to Jesus, to see Jesus. So, so most understand that what, what they were wanting from Jesus here was just simply a blessing over their children. They were hoping Jesus would lay his hand upon them, speak a blessing over the children. But there is something we ought to keep in mind when we consider the motivation of those who are bringing their children to Jesus here. In the first century, uh, the time of, uh, of, of this happening here, in, in the first century, childhood was not so much something to be enjoyed as was something that you survived. It's estimated that only 50% of children live past the age of 10 in the days when Jesus walked the earth. In those days in the city of Rome, it's been determined that 30% of all babies died in their first year of life, and only 49% survived to their fifth birthday. So imagine a mother, mother who's had three children with only one of them still living, and this mother hears that Jesus of Nazareth, whom you know has, is a miraculous healer, this Jesus is coming to your town. Well, you'd probably do all you could to, to go see him and plead with him to, to lay his saving, healing hands upon your baby so that she would be blessed to survive childhood, to even live beyond your years. But the disciples didn't seem to think that this was all that important for Jesus. 
We don't know all the, all the circumstances, but what we can determine is that the children were not a priority for the disciples. Maybe they just didn't think Jesus had, had time for them, that he had more important things to, to attend to. But this also kind of helps us to see what people in those days thought about children. We find out quickly what Jesus actually thought about children. Uh, Luke tells us once he realized what was going on, that he called to the disciples and commanded them, let the children come to me and do not hinder them. Jesus wanted to bless these little ones. He wanted them to be able to come close to him. He did not want anyone to hinder these little children from being brought to him. Now, in our day, if someone who is in some high position does this sort of thing, uh, right away, uh, you know why. It's because of the benefit that will come from being seen to be nice to children by the public. That's why politicians kiss babies. Uh, this is why they, 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 they make sure that the cameras are on them when they smile and shake hands or pat the heads of little children who've come to their political rallies. This is why some politicians even feature interactions with children in their political ads, even though everyone knows the children are child actors being paid for their performance. Well, that would not have been the case with Jesus here, though. Jesus being seen with little children would not have won him any praise, any praise whatsoever from hardly anyone except maybe the mothers and fathers of those children. Our modern society tends to, tends to idolize children, but they were mostly looked down upon and overlooked in Jesus' day. One scholar wrote this. He said, One will search ancient literature in vain for sympathy towards the young comparable to that shown to them by Jesus. He simply wouldn't have gained any respect from Religious leaders from the rabbis of the day, um, from the scribes or the Pharisees, or even from his own disciples for giving so much attention to babies and children for the simple fact that they can't do anything for you. They can't do anything for you. But of course, that was the whole point that Jesus was trying to make here with what he says. Jesus was showing that the kingdom of God is not for people who can do something for him, who can benefit him in some way. What Jesus was showing his disciples and us who study this passage is that he cares for those who can do nothing for him. He cares for those who are helpless, who are needy, who can't even take care of themselves. Luke tells us, Again, verse 15, these were infants. These were nursing infants. They were children who were completely dependent upon others to provide them with everything they need to live. They couldn't do anything on their own. When I was a, a young boy, um, maybe seven years old, I was brought along with my sisters to our county fair. And my oldest sister, uh, for her first year uh, of being in 4-H, had submitted some projects at the county fair for, for judging. And uh, I was there along uh, with my mother and sisters, and I was getting very bored uh, waiting with her and my mom for these projects to be judged. So my mom gave me permission uh, to explore the fairgrounds by myself. And I went straight to the midway at the fairgrounds and walked around looking at all the 
amusement rides and the, the contest booths and the prizes uh, that you could win there. And I decided I really wanted to try one of these rides. Um, so I, I went to the one I wanted to do and got in, got in line with a, a few other kids my age. And uh, when it was our turn, I, I ran through the gate and climbed inside one of the cars and and then I began to notice uh, the attendant going from car to car, taking tickets from each of the children. I didn't have a ticket. I got this very uneasy feeling in my, in my gut. And he came to me and, of course, asked for my ride tickets, and I told him, well, I, I, don't, I don't have any. And this, this, this guy started to chew me out and pulled me out of that car and sent me away and said, don't come back here until you get some tickets. He had no time for some little kid who didn't have any tickets and who also didn't have any money on him to buy any tickets with. Um, you know, we, we can tend to treat others in a similar way. We, we give our time and our attention to those that we know can do things for us. If we can receive some benefit from giving them our attention, we will. But, but, but if not, if they will only be a burden for us, to spend our precious time with them, then we'll find ourselves reasons or excuses for why we can't be bothered with them. We might even chase them away. But not Jesus. Jesus cares for the lowly. He cares for the helpless. Jesus is welcoming to all who want to come to him. He's not just looking for those who can do things for him but for all who know they need him. And the second half of verse 16 gives us our next point, that the kingdom of God is for those who know they are needy. Again, verse 16, But Jesus called to them, saying, Let the children come to me, and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. So what did Jesus mean when he said that the kingdom of God belongs to such as these? Well, seems like a pretty significant thing for us to understand. We better know who the kingdom of God belongs to, who will be welcomed in, and who won't be a part of it. So let's start with what I'm pretty certain he didn't mean by that statement, the kingdom, the, uh, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. He was not encouraging his people to baptize their babies here. As you know, uh, infant baptism is the practice of many Christian traditions, and some uh, will point to this very passage as justification for why they baptize their babies, because it says the kingdom of God belongs to such as these, to such little infants. Now, Jesus was definitely encouraging his people to bring their children, even infants, to him in this passage. In fact, he is saying if we bring our children to him, if we introduce them to Jesus, if we teach them about who he is and what he has done for us, that they will be blessed. They will be blessed. And he even takes a step further. He says that we better make sure that we are not keeping any children from coming to him. Don't hinder those children from coming to Jesus, he's saying. But there's not a word in this passage that refers to baptism. He's not saying Christians ought to baptize their children in this passage. Neither is he saying here that Christians shouldn't baptize their children. 
he simply isn't taking or isn't talking about baptism at all in these verses. So he's not saying that. He also isn't saying that the kingdom of God is only for children. He's not saying that, that children, you know, children are so innocent and guiltless when it comes to sin, so therefore the kingdom is for them. In other places in the scriptures, we have the teaching that we are all born in sin. We are all born sinners. Sin affects all people from their very conception. So he's not talking about a child's innocence as the reason uh, why the kingdom of God belongs to them. No, to Jesus and the disciples, these infants were not a picture of innocence so much as they were a picture of helplessness. They were known for what they lacked rather than for what they had. They were helpless and depended entirely upon others for their life. For the mothers and fathers bringing them to Jesus here, they believed that the only way for their children to survive until they were five or ten years old or, 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 or older than that was if Jesus laid his healing hand upon them and blessed them. The kingdom of God belonged to such as these. It belongs to those who know they are helpless, who know they are needy without Christ. It belongs uh, to those like the tax collector in the previous parable who know they have no righteousness of their own that they can depend upon. And so they must depend solely upon the righteousness of Christ that God will account to them if they trust in him completely. The kingdom of God is not for those who believe they deserve it. It's not for those who look to their own accomplishments, for their, for their, or their own faithfulness, or, or all the good things that they have done to serve God as reasons for why they will be a part of God's kingdom. The kingdom of God is not for those who believe they have it all together, who are self-sufficient, who can point to a list of their own virtues as reasons for why God ought to bless them. Joseph Hart, uh, a hymn writer, uh, wrote one of my all-time favorite hymns in which the first verse invites, it calls those who know they have no hope outside of God's mercy to come to Jesus to receive it. It goes like this. Come ye sinners, poor and needy, weak and wounded, sick and sore. Jesus ready stands to save you, full of pity, love and power. He is able, he is willing, doubt no more. Come ye weary, heavy laden, bruised and broken by the fall. If you tarry till you're better, well, you will never come at all. Not the righteous, not the righteous. Sinners, Jesus came to call. Let not conscience make you linger, nor of fitness fondly dream. All the fitness he requires is to feel your need of him. And this he gives you. This he gives you. Tis the Spirit's rising beam. So if you don't remember anything else from this message this morning, remember this. All the fitness that God requires of you in order to enter the kingdom of God is to feel, is to know your need of Christ. To know your need for his mercy, for his forgiveness, for his grace. 
And this he will give you by his Spirit. Lastly, in verse 17, we see children are models for how we must receive Christ's reign over us. It says, Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. So Jesus goes on to teach that the kingdom of God is something that must be received. And that children, children are good models whom we ought to look to for how we are to receive the kingdom. Another way to, to translate kingdom of God here is, is reign of God or rule of God. And it's something that must be received or accepted by us in order for us to enjoy it. If we refuse to receive the reign of God over us, then we will rebel against it. And if we have received it, then we will forever enjoy it. We will forever be a part of it, rather than ultimately facing the judgment and condemnation of the king for our rebellion. So the greatest blessing one can receive is to receive the blessing of the kingdom of God. And Jesus here tells us we ought to learn from children how to receive it. Some uh, have, have studied this and have looked to the different virtues of children as virtues that we also must possess in order to receive the kingdom, virtues like you know, that, that readiness that children seem to have to, to trust and accept whatever their parents or their teachers tell them. You know, we must also have a similar readiness to trust and accept whatever the Lord tells us in his word in order to receive the kingdom. Others will, will, will point to a similar readiness to obey which young children seem to have, how they will unquestionably just, just do whatever you tell them to do. So we, we must have that same unquestioned obedience to whatever God our Father commands us to do if we will be able to receive the kingdom. Now those are, are definitely good and right responses to God's word. We ought to have a readiness, even an eagerness to trust and obey whatever God says in his word. We ought, we ought just to accept whatever he commands and promises unquestionably. However, I don't think those are the characteristics that Jesus is pointing to here when he says that whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. I don't think Jesus is pointing to the virtues of children that we are to emulate, for we all know children who don't listen to their parents, who don't show a readiness to accept and obey whatever their parents tell them to do. I didn't do that when I was a child. You probably didn't do it either. So Jesus is not pointing to what children have that we are to have. Rather, he is pointing to what children don't have. They don't have that long list of great things they have done for the Lord that they can point to for why they deserve God's blessings. They don't have this record of past obedience that they can, that they can point to. They, they, they have no spiritual accomplishments to demonstrate their worthiness, but rather, they are needy. They're helpless. They're utterly dependent on others for life. Remember, these are, these are nursing infants who are being brought to Jesus here. So they cannot depend upon themselves. They are in great need of help, and they are very open to receiving that help. In fact, they, 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 are, they are known for, for crying out for it quite often. In spite of how 
it may annoy others. And Jesus is saying people like that who, who know they are needy, who cry out to God for his mercy in Christ, they are the ones who will be welcomed. They, they will be received by God and they will be given grace. When I would go shopping with my mom when I was a child, we would sometimes end up at uh, our local Ben Franklin store uh, in Storm Lake, Iowa. Uh, I don't even know if Ben Franklin stores are even around anymore. Um, they were known for, for selling fabric, uh, you know, for sewing, and uh, they're kind of like a miniature Hobby Lobby. Um, I believe that's, that's, that's why my mom often uh, would, would go there, uh, probably to get, you know, thread and, and patches to stitch up the, the holes that I always tore in my, in my pants. Um, uh, ben Franklin was also the best place in town to get baseball cards. Absolute best place to go get baseball cards. And I loved baseball cards. So I loved going to Ben Franklin. And one day I, I, I was there with my mom and I had brought some money with me. And I, I couldn't wait to spend that money. So I looked at all the, the, the stacks of baseball cards they had. They had different kinds, you know, Tops and Fleer and Donruss. And, and, and I picked out a pack of Tops baseball cards and I brought my pack of cards to the front of the store. The cashier saw me and came over to ring me up and, and she asked me for the 37 cents that uh, uh, it cost to buy a pack of cards. And I proudly reached into my pocket and I, and I took out uh, the coins that I had in there and I looked at the coins and then I stuck my hand back in the pocket again and, and dug around and, and pulled out my hand again and I, I realized I only had uh, six cents. A nickel and a penny. And I was immediately embarrassed and ashamed. I didn't know, you know, what, what do I do now? Is she going to call the police on me? Um, is she going to, I didn't know what to do. And she, of course, recognized that right away. Um, and she looked at me and smiled and she took my sixth sense and, and then she, you know, said, it's okay, I'll take care of it. And she went to her, her pocket, pulled out uh, the remaining coins and put it in the cash register and handed me my receipt with my pack of cards. See, just like children, none of us, none of us have anything to offer Jesus that would merit our place within the kingdom. We, we have no righteousness to offer, no list of good things we have done that were not also tainted with our sin. We all come to Jesus helpless, and needy, utterly dependent upon his grace. And Jesus here is saying, that is exactly how we are to receive the treasure of the kingdom. Believing that he has done all to pay for our way. He has done it all. He has paid the sacrifice for us to be included. And all we have to do is simply open up our hands, like I did at that Ben Franklin store to receive the treasure of the pack of baseball cards that someone else paid for, someone else who absolutely had no obligation to do it for me, but just did it out of sheer grace. That's how we are to come to Jesus, to receive the kingdom. Come, ye sinners, poor and needy, let not conscience make you linger, nor of fitness fondly dream. All the fitness he requires is to feel your need of him. And he will provide you, even with that. Call out to him and receive his kind and gracious rule over you. Let's pray. 
Our Father in heaven, uh, we thank you for this word from the Lord Jesus. Uh, what an encouraging and hopeful word for sinners to, to hear. I pray, Lord, that you would do that work of grace in the lives of everyone here. No matter where we are standing uh, with you now, I pray that your grace would work on our hearts, would humble us, would help us to see our desperate need for you, and that we would gladly and uh, openly uh, acknowledge our sin, confess it to you, our need for your grace and mercy. Lord, help everyone here to be a part of the kingdom of God, following after Jesus Christ, our Lord, our King, living for him and being kept by him for all eternity. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen.